0: Rudy. I uh as I read chapter twenty five um twenty five and twenty six, I I struggled with the passages what to preach on. Not because it's not applicable. Not because we can't learn from these passages, but just what to say. In the history of the apostles, Paul, focusing on Paul at this time, Festus is the new governor of Caesarea. He's taken over from the the last governor who was allowing bad things to happen to his charges, And he kept Paul in prison because he was safe there for two years. And he had all kinds of administration errors. And so, Festus comes in like another political party and a change of guard. And what do we do now? And there's a lot of changes that will happen during this administration, but Acts focuses on Paul, and um, one of Festus' jobs is to do the impossible. See, he has to uh, make the Jews happy, and um, that's impossible, <laughs> Think about uh, just the United States, how a politician might make its people happy. You just can't do it. There's no win in this situation. We're so divided amongst ourselves. No matter what you do, you're going to make someone unhappy. And probably a political figure that is going to try to overthrow you. No matter what happens. And so he goes and he has to deal with this issue of Paul. Now, Paul has been in prison for two years. And the people, the Jewish leaders, this is the Jews. It's once again their way of talking about the leadership of the Jews at the time. Not every Jewish person. Want... Paul to be moved to Jerusalem. Why? Well, it says there in the passage. They're planning on ambushing him along the way. This is the leadership, mind you. Talking about assassination. We want to do away with Paul. He's still better in prison. And I'm not going to read all of chapter 25 and chapter 26, but Paul will openly give his testimony during this time he's in court. And once he realizes, realizes that he can't be freed, and, and Felix realizes he can't free the man, even though he finds there's no charges against him, And Paul realizes that he can't be free because it's going to make the Jews mad. After visiting with Herod Agrippa, the son of Herod Agrippa I, um, Paul decides that he's not going to win this case. And so he asks for a change of venue to Rome. Being a Roman citizen he's going to ask for a change of venue to Rome. And this is going to begin his Roman journey where he's wanted to go to Rome for many years. In fact, he even wrote a letter to the Roman church saying, I'm going to come visit you. But the only way he gets to do there is under armed escort as he has a Roman sitter taking it to the Supreme Court of Caesar Augustus. The Caesar... Sorry, probably not a guest. It's probably Nero. Anyways. And as I read through chapter 25 and 26, I I had a, a trouble. I mean, we could have stopped and we could have talked about Paul's testimony. And I could talk about how important it is that you know your testimony. What is a testimony? Testimony is your journey to know Christ. And the journey since then. Where you came from and how he's growing you. We could have talked about that. That would be a wonderful thing. I do believe everyone needs to know your testimony. If you don't know your testimony, take some time, write it out, practice it so you can use it when you need to. We could talk about how, um, why believing in something um, like God, that seems illogical. Because you can't scientifically test God. He's outside the realm of science. We could talk about how Paul was, didn't fear because God was with him. But the thing that really got me as I was reading these passages... is that these Jewish men, these religious leaders, even the high priest, and it trickled down, were the ones that wanted such heinous actions to be taken. And I found that to be the most troubling of this passage. Because it wasn't like just a political leader who didn't know God. It was the religious that knew better. They were the ones scheming, manipulating, even to the point of murder. And as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of some of the worst atrocities in human history that have been done in the name of religion. Rape, murder, wars, abuse, child prostitution. I mean, we could focus in on Christianity, right? The Crusades, the Inquisition, the witch trials, the I mean, it's not like it's just Christianity, though, right? I mean, even atheism isn't pure. And yes, atheism is more like a religion. They just don't believe in a God. I mean, you want proof of that one, look at Stalin and what he did. He was an atheist. Religions are prone to corruption. Why? Because they're led by corrupt people. And wherever there is power to be held, someone is going to seek that power. I mean, we even have records of church leaders that didn't even know God at all because they needed, wanted the power and but these good and Religious people are still fallen and still prone to corruption and they have become corrupt and desire the selfish desire to do away with Paul to the point of killing him even though he's been in prison for two years. They can't get to him. Seek their selfish desires. And I think about us, myself, you and I, we're the religious people, aren't we? I mean, we have to quote check our motives behind. Why are we here? Why do we come to church? If you're online listening, why do you listen? We have to check our motivation, right? Why even be part of a church? Why do I even bother preaching? These religious motivations, and it's so easy for us to become corrupt, especially in times such as these where our faith is being challenged like m- we've never faced before. Not that it's never been faced this way, but we've been such a quote unquote Christian re- nation for so long, and that's becoming not the case anymore. That we're facing challenges we've never faced before. And so our temptation is to become angry, vicious, calling people names. You're just stupid if you don't believe in God. How is that going to share the love of Jesus Christ? And I wish I wa- that was actually a direct quote from somebody. Our temptation, as the world shifts its perspective, is to become like the religious people here in this passage, yelling at people, protesting. Not that protesting is necessarily bad, but it doesn't necessarily show the love of Jesus Christ, does it? Getting up on people's face, well, the Bible says this. If you have to beat someone with the Bible, you're not using it properly. Our temptation is to be more like the religious leaders here. We want to be more like Paul. That's the one we want to be more like with, but our temptation it's to be more like the religious leaders, because we get up in people's faces. Well, let me tell you why Jesus. I don't know why we have to use Jesus into a three-letter, uh, three-syllable word, but we do. Jesus. Ah. But. The Bible calls us something to so much more. It calls us to stop with the anger and the violence. It says to do away with these things. To rid ourselves from not holy anger when we see something that is unjust and we call for justice. That's the stuff we should be protesting. But to do away with the the selfishness and the the, the, the sinfulness and, and it calls us to be longing after him and his way. See that's what they had forgotten is they were longing to protect their ways and not searching after his ways. And the only way we put away these things is we, our heart must long for Him. Instead of longing for our own selfish desires, longing for our own personal power, our own comforts, our own traditional way of being, our heart must long for Him. It echoes Psalms 42, right? As the deer. Longs for the streams, so I long for you. I thirst for you, God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have become my food, day and night. All day long people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walk with many leading the festival of procession to the house of God with joy and thanks, thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. My heart longs for. That's how we put away these things. As we we don't just say, "Well, I'm going to empty these things out of our hearts." You can't get rid of these things without turning it into something else. We must long for Christ. We must long for Yahweh. We must long to seek His way. My heart desires Him. Not like, hmm, I could drink today. Most of us, that's where we're normally at. (laughs) I could drink, I could use a little something to eat. I mean, some of you are already thinking about lunch, you just finished breakfast. But it's that I need water to survive. I long for it. I thirst for it. I hunger for it. I haven't had enough of it. I'm not just glutton. I need it to survive. Without it, I won't be filled. I need God in my life. And I will praise my Savior My God, despite the religious around me, despite the non-religious around me, we desire to be so close to Him that our wills are as one. Not that we put our will on God, but we're so close to Him that there's no difference between our wills. I love the passage where Moses, Moses reaches out his hands in Exodus over the water when the first plague comes, because it says God does it, and then Moses does it, because their will is so closely related that it, as Moses does it, it's God doing it. I want our wills to be so closely related. I want to be so close to God, that our wills are as one, that there's no I don't have to try to figure out what God's will is because we're so tight. I know what it is. And our hearts are unified. I want God to change my heart, to be unified with Him. That's why Jesus says, not mine, but thine will be done, right? As we have God in us, we are filled with His righteousness. I'm reminded of another psalm, Psalm chapter 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathways of sinner or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, he delights in the Lord's instructions. He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside the flowing streams that bears its fruit in the seasons and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like the chaff... That the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand up in judgment. Nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. But for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will lead to ruin. With God living in you. Which is what happens when we admit that we need a Savior. And we believe in Him. Confess them with the mouth because that's what the Bible says. We believe in our hearts, the very being of our bodies, and we confess it with our mouth, we will be saved. And with that, the Holy Spirit comes and makes us, us its temple, its dwelling place. And we therefore must be righteous. As our wheels align and we seek to be so close to God as we thirst for Him without the wicked, the mockers. Oh, but too often we sit down with the mockers. We let them into our tables. Oh, I'm not just talking about the people that you let into your home. I'm talking about the people you let onto your TV and the radio and the music and the social media. and the We let them into our homes and we listen to their advice. We spend too much time with them. because we long for something more fulfilling than the water that God provides. The lie that there's something better out there. It's like that lie that says, like, soda is better for you than water. (laughs) Yeah, Do away with soda for a couple of weeks, and then you'll find out you don't really like it anymore. Once you get over the caffeine withdrawals, <laughs> which is often why you need caffeine in the morning because you're going through withdrawals every night. As we think of this passage, we must ask ourselves who are you? Who am I? Well, one, do I know God? Have I admitted that I need Him? Do I believe in Him as my Savior? But it's more than just being part of a religion. It's being in that family of God. Being in the body of believers. It's declaring worth to Him above all else as Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through Him. I'm enabled by the blood of Jesus Christ through the holy power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about what you do. You can be religious all you want. Go to church, pay your tithe, be here every time the doors open, which we're grateful for but it's not about that. It's about who you are in Christ. How's your relationship with Him? Are you fighting Him? Are you drawing close to Him? Do you hunger and thirst for Him? The wonderful, amazing thing about Christ is that He doesn't need us. He has chosen to use us. Think about that. He doesn't need us. He has chosen to use us. He has chosen to let us co-rule with Him. In the very beginning, it doesn't say, and God needed someone with Him. He was lonely and He was bored, so He made man. That's not what the Bible says. Though that's a lot of times, it's how we treat it. God created man to co-rule with him and it was his choice you were chosen you were loved not because he said well I was born and I made you but because I chose you and what a blessing that is and as we are chosen we long after him We long to be with Him. We long to walk in His ways and live a life according to Him. And so we must ask ourselves, how is my relationship with Him? As we think about what my next steps is, it's things like, how do I go about strengthening my relationship with Him? Is there something blocking our relationship? Maybe something you're holding on to from the past or some bitterness that's getting in the way or a sin that you're struggling with. Maybe it's the lack of good community. you got toxic people in your life. Too many religious people. Or too many, maybe it's your social media account that's blocking too many mockers sitting at your table. How do you go about strengthening your relationship with Him? How do we protect ourselves so that we're not the religious, we're the righteous? Father God, I praise You today, Lord. I pray that everyone that hears Your Word today will feel the desire to long after You, to thirst after You, to hunger for Your Word, and Your Word lead to action. Lord, I pray that we would desire to be as one with You, Walking in your ways. Yes. Lord, that we may not be the right the religious. Lord, we want to be righteous because you are righteous. And your blood spilled upon the cross for us as you are righteous. Take away the punishment of our sins that our your righteousness may shown through. Shine through on uh, through us to the world around us, even in times such as these, in Jesus' name we pray amen we 're going to move to a time of invitation time well amen, amen we are. We find ourselves in the history of the apostles, focusing on on Paul. And if you remember from last week, remember that Paul had been placed in prison for two years, uh, as the governor or the, um, yeah, governor is a good enough word, governor of the area was um, waiting for a bribe. Was trying to keep the Jewish people happy. And was um, trying to keep Paul safe at the same time. Trying to keep people from killing him. And so the easiest way to do that is throw him in prison. Leave him there. Now Festus gets appointed as the new governor in Caesarea, and he inherits all the problems that the old governor left behind. The old governor had done some bad policies, had done some things like let the soldiers ransack Jewish homes, um, caused some other issues, and But the most important thing he has going on for the story we have today is that he's given the impossible task of keeping the Jews happy. And I say impossible because there's no way you can absolutely do this. I think about our own politics today. No matter what a politician does, Old, new, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, well, it doesn't matter. Whatever they do is going to make someone else upset. And probably a political leader that's going to try to overthrow them. It's a no-win situation. So he goes in from Caesarea, he goes to Jerusalem, Felix does, to pay his respect to the religious leaders and to cultivate a few friendships. He is a politician. And what do they want to talk about? Well, that's not the sewer. They want to talk about Paul. He's, the one. he's been in prison for two years, but he's still the one that's on their mind they want them dead now when i say jew i'm not talking about every jewish person it's just the leadership that's that paul is that uh, acts is talking about here they're the religious leaders and they still want them dead and they say well why don't you release paul and bring him down to Jerusalem?" Not so that we can deal with him, so that we can ambush him on the way and assassinate him. Wow, these are some religious leaders. Now, Paul realizes that he's not going to get his freedom. Felix realizes he can't give his freedom even though he, there's nothing he can charge him against. So Paul will petition for a change of venue. Being a Roman citizen, he has the right to be heard in Rome. So he petitions for a change of venue to be taken t- to Rome to be in front of the Supreme Court, that is, Caesar. And Felix, glad to be rid of the problem that he has no win situation over, gladly says, yes, go to Rome. And thus we'll actually see Paul begin his journey to Rome, something he's been wanting to do for years now. even wrote a letter to the Roman church saying, I'm going to join you guys And then I'm going to go on to Spain, and this is how he gets there, in prison. You know, when I read 25 and 26, I struggled. Not because it wasn't applicable to you or I. Not because there's not a lot in there. Actually, that might have been the problem. There's too much in there. I mean, we could talk about how courageous Paul was. How he didn't want to die, but he was, I'm not afraid of death. We could talk about that. We could talk about how important Paul's testimony was and his defense and how he gave his testimony. You can read his testimony in those passages it's, it's so important. And I think it's important that we know our testimonies. If you don't know your testimony, write it out. Practice it so that when it comes time for you to tell your past, your testimony, you know what you're going to say. Let me give you a little, uh, word of advice, though, if you're writing your testimony out. Try to keep it around five minutes. No one wants an hour-long testimony. Just saying. That's just... But I just don't know if that's really what we want to talk about. We could talk about how how God can't be tested. It seems illogical, but we can't test God with scientific reason. We could talk about how God directed Paul to Rome and he got him there in unexpected ways. And We could talk about that in your own life. And all these things are good. But the one thing that really kept coming back to my heart in this passage was the Jews. Those Jewish leaders, those religious people, that it's not like they were just politicians who thought they could solve a problem. They're religious leaders who know better. But where do they find themselves? They find themselves talking about assassination of a man because he's causing problems for them. I think about these Jewish leaders. I think about religion as a whole. I think about how these scheming Jews and it reminds me of some of the worst atrocities committed in human history that have done in the name of religion. Rape and murder and wars and child abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. We can look at our own religion, Christianity. I mean we can name some of the worst atrocities we've been part of. We'll look at some of those as we cover church history in the coming weeks after we finish New Testament and Tuesday nights we're going to look at some church history and we'll see some of awful things that church has done, you know things like the Crusades and the Inquisition and the Salem witch trials and But it's not just Christianity, it's religions have been, I mean, even atheism, which does follow all the doctrines of religion, they just don't have a god. Um, Not free, I mean, they've committed atrocities. A good example that many of you would know was Stalin. He was an atheist. Look what he did. Religions are prone to corruption because corrupt people seek power within those religions. I mean, whenever there's a power basis, someone's going to try to claim that. We even have examples in church history where people that don't even believe in God become leaders of the church because there's a good power basis there. Churches are a place where predators go. You know, easy prey. And corrupt people lead. As long as we're seeking after our selfish. Desires. Religion can be used in horrible ways. And our temptation, as I think about this, you see, we want to say, well, I'm Paul, right? That's we always want to be Paul. And that's true, we want to be Paul. But our temptation is too often we fit more in line with the religious leaders. We fit more in line with them. We want our own selfish point of view to rule out over even God's point of view. Because we seek our own comforts, or our own selfish desire, or our power, or, our, or, you know, the way it used to be. You know, we sound like the the people in Exodus. You know, we used to have fish. You know, now we're in the desert. We used to have fish. You know, there were gutter fish, but they, we used to have fish. God says, I'm leading you somewhere now. Oh, but we used to. And that sounds like a lot of the tur- churches tend to be. We used to you know, back in my day. How many of you said that to me? Back in my day. Yeah. <laughs> but as we think about these things, we have to ask I mean, we have to ask the honest questions, you know, am I part of the religious or am I being part of the righteous? I mean, that's an honest question we have to ask ourselves. That's an honest question churches have to ask themselves. Church bodies have to ask themselves. Why are we here? Why do we go to church? Why, if I'm online, why am I listening to this? Why do I bother preaching? Why use my gifts? If we're here because of religion, then we're here for the wrong reasons. If we're here because it's the way we've always done it, then we're here for the wrong reasons. If we're here because it's, you know, i will come to consume some bit of entertainment, then you're here for the wrong reasons. We're here because we desire to grow together as a body of believers for God's righteousness. We're here to declare worth to the Alpha and the Omega. We're here to declare worth to the God who pours out His righteousness upon us as we cast our sins upon Him. We long after God. Because that's how we feel. We get rid of the, righteous, the, the, the sinful desires of our heart, is to fill it up with something else. So we must long for God. I'm reminded of a psalm Psalm 42. As the deer longs for the flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this and pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive uh, possession to the house of God. With joyful and thankful shouts, why, my soul, are you dejected and why are you in such uh, turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior. Oh, my heart longs for you. You know, that's not the, you know, I could drink today. And most of us, that's how we are, right? I could, I could drink. It's like saying, well, I'm kind of hungry. Most of you ate breakfast this morning, and you're already thinking about lunch, kind of hungry that's not what we're talking about here that's not what the passage is about it's talking about my heart longs for you God I thirst for you I must have you (coughs) or I will die despite what I have done I need you I praise my Savior. We long for Him. And we long to be so close to Him that it's not what is His will, it's our wills are aligned. Not that He succeeds to my will and my selfish desire but that you can't tell the difference because we're so one. Oh, the beauty that God has. And he, in his amazingness, you know, often we treat God like, well, God created man because he was lonely and bored and needed us to worship him. That's not what the Bible teaches, is it? The Bible teaches that he created us because he chose to. Because out of all the ways he could have done stuff, he chose to create us. And all the ways he could choose to spread his love to the world, he chose us. The Bible says the rocks could cry out. But he didn't choose the rocks chose us and as he has chosen us we we long to be in that relationship like we were originally created that we were chosen to be co-rulers with him as his adopted children that's what the Bible teaches us that's why we long for that But all too often we find ourselves saying, I know better than you, God. I'll choose the way. I can be like God, knowing good from evil. Make my own choices. And then... And then we become religious and not full of the righteous. And if we have admitted that we need a Savior, if we have believed in Him in our hearts, if we have confessed Him with our mouths, because the Bible says, if you believe in Him in your heart, the very, uh, ne- the, very nephish, uh, the very being that makes you you, and you confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. And if we have God that He comes and dwells within us, the Holy Spirit does, and makes us His temple. All that righteousness floods into us and we long even more to be like Him. I'm reminded of another psalm, Psalm 1. How happy is the one who does not. Walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathways of the sinner, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside the flowing streams that bear its, its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that is blown away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in judgment, nor the sinners in the seat of the assembly of righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. With God, you are righteous. Without God, you are chaff blown in the wind, seating in the seat of the mockers. I think about this. I think about how much time we spend with the mockers. I'm not talking about necessarily that person, though some of you may have that person that's in your life that's toxic person that's leading you astray, but it's not just that. It's talking about uh, the music we listen to. How much time do we spend with the social media that leads us astray, or the the, the, the guy on TV that got his degree from uh, You Owe Me Money, and uh, these things affect us because we send let these things in and sit at our, our, our table. I'm never saying you don't interact with these people, but they, we don't let them sit at our table. Sit on our minds. It says meditate on the Scriptures day and night. Not meditate on the things the mockers tell us. That's why it says happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked. Or stand in the pathway of sinners. Or sit in the company of the mockers. And we let mockers in us onto our table all too much. But with God, we are righteous. So today, as we think about this passage, our next steps. Must be the ask our, qu- our question is, who are we? Because our temptation is to be like the religious, especially in the day we live in today. Things have changed. We are no longer the quote unquote, "Christian nation nation. Things are changing. And our temptation is to get riled up and angry and hurt. And I'm not talking about uh, holy anger like when you see an injustice and you fight to fix the injustice. Those things are good. (laughs) I'm talking about we say things are not the way things used to be. And they're not pro-me. And I'm not comfortable anymore. And I might have to suffer. And I don't like it. So I want to get, rise up and be angry about it and fight for it and call people stupid. You know, if you don't believe me in God, you're just stupid. Well, the Bible says, SWACK! I tell you, if you have to beat someone up with the Bible, you're not using it right. The world is shifting. Our world is shifting. And our temptation is to be the religious. To seek our own behaviors instead of seeking God's righteousness despite the world around us. And to show His love and His mercy and His grace and His truth. And so our temptation must be made aware that we can say, I don't want to be that. Maybe even some of you are that. And you must say, I don't want to be that. I need to be filled with his righteousness. So the first question we must ask ourselves is, do we know God, right? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time? That's the first question we have to ask. I don't care if you're a little baby or, a, or you're you know, reaching those upper years where you don't want to talk about your age. The question we must ask is, do I know Christ? But then we have to ask, is it about the religion for me? And honest, good Christians who started out so in fire can find themselves in the religious category as life changes. These Jewish leaders didn't start out as bad people. Well, maybe some of them did. I don't know. But they didn't start out as bad people, they were following what they felt was best. And then as things changed and their power base changed and their money system was thrown in chaos and as things didn't happen the way they wanted, thought it was going to happen and sometimes we have to say, you know what, I find myself following more the religious path. Let me get back on the righteous path. Because it's about that relationship. There's only one way through heaven. That's because Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And that means we have to be following after him as his disciples. It's not about what you've done in the past. It's about what you're doing now. It's not about what you say you believe. It's what your fruit says you believe. Bear the fruit of that relationship. The Bible doesn't try to hide what that is. It's the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Bible's not hiding these things from you. As we think about that next step, what steps do we need to take to make our relationship stronger with Jesus, with God? Maybe it's read the Bible one more day of the week. Remember, at least four, that's your. You know, that's the magic number, at least four times a week. You know, that's not undoable, right? You already got one, Sunday. So we got, you know, maybe Monday and Tuesday's hard, well, we got Tuesday church, so maybe that's one of your days. <laughs> that's only two days you got to come up with. Maybe it's to heal that relationship. Maybe it's to get rid of that toxic person. That mocker. Maybe it's your social media account that you need to put aside. Maybe it's that sin that you just haven't seemed to put to death. You kept it in prison and so you can take it out and play with it when you want. We're going to pray. Father God, I...